You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and creator of The Deb Method for Goal Setting Simplified. You can't reach your goals on your own. You need your people. So every week, I bring in some of my people to dive into the topic of the week. And this week, we're talking about neurodiversity, or as Amber would call it neuro spiciness. I've <laughs> uh, got a wonderful panel, and this is something I've wanted to cover for a while. And now I got like this great group. So here we are today. We have my dear friend Elena Hall, who's founder of the Miracle Project and does a whole bunch of other awesome stuff, which I will let her tell you about in a minute. Uh, Amber Holly, who comes from the FOA, also known as Friends of Annie Coalition. Uh, <laughs> Of great guests and uh, mutually beneficial conversations. And John Henson, and John was supposed to be on a couple of weeks ago, and then weather. So um, glad to have you here. And you come through my friend Anastasia. So I love, well, I love bringing people together, and I also love meeting cool people. And so if you're here watching live, welcome to Gold Chat Live, or you might be listening to this as an episode of The Deb Show on the Marketing Podcast Network. But however you find it, found us. We're glad you're here. And like I said, really excited to dive into the topic today. But before we do that, I would love for each of you to share uh, who you are in your obvious connection to the topic. So Elaine, let's start with you. Hi, my name is Elaine Hall. And uh, I'm uh, Caucasian, brown haired um, uh, uh, woman with kind of speckled um, Turqu oh, turquoise, uh, burgundy glasses, and uh, I'm auto describing for anyone with with low vision or blind. Uh, I'm a Hollywood Access Coordinator and um, a leader in the inclusion movement. What brings me here, besides my unbelievable love of of Deb Eckerling, is uh, that um, I am neurodivergent myself, though I've heard a new a new term, neurodistinct, which I love. And uh, neurodiversity is an umbrella for all different types of brains and minds. So sort of like biodiversity, uh, all of our minds are part of this neurodiverse collective. And about 20% of us are uh, neurodivergent or neurodistinct, which I'm just falling in love with that term more and more and more. And uh, for me, it's uh, sensory differences, um, the way my brain processes information. It uh, becomes uh, challenging for me to be in certain types of uh, uh, environments, but also my brain works in alternative ways, which gives me an opportunity to solve things which I don't even think are problems, but to see things differently. So that's a, a little bit about me. And I am the founder of The Miracle Project, which is a theater and film program for neurodivergent, uh, disabled, non-disabled, and neurotypical children, teens, and adults. And we met years ago when I was doing my Jewish bucket list and my community was going to be a cast member uh, to come play at the Miracle Project for a day. And I, I love that we've been friends ever since. So you've created quite, quite a community. Uh, but really, it is inclusiveness, but embracing the things that make us distinct and bringing those gifts to the world, right? Yes, yes. I, I always like to move from inclusion to belonging. And just like in the 
a field of flowers, we wouldn't say, oh, one flower is too tall or too yellow to belong there, right? It's, it's, we wouldn't say, oh, we're going to include the, the yellow flowers here. We may make that choice in our own personal garden, but in the garden of life, all different colors and shapes and sizes are just naturally included. What we want to be doing in embracing neurodiversity, meaning embracing all colors, shapes, sizes, and ways of processing, right? So that would be um, belonging, is that we all belong here. Very good point. Love it. Thank you, Elaine. And Amber, and I do remember, and we had met before, but you were at one of my meet and greets several months ago, and I told you I was waiting for the right panel. But I love that you introduce yourself as NeuroSpicy. So please share who you are, why you're here, etc. Yes, we will all find a word that we feel, you know, represents us, right? <laughs> that uh, that we align with. Um, yeah, so I'm Amber Holly. I'm a licensed therapist by trade and uh, works with couples, which then became understanding that a lot of couples that seek therapy, it's because one or both of them are neurodiverse. <laughs> and so, um, and then I also at uh, the age of 40 got started to understand and got diagnosed with ADHD. So I'm ADHD, but I like neurospicy because there's like little flavors of other things in there that, you know, that don't necessarily qualify in the DSM, but uh, that make up my unique brain as, um, as Elaine said. But uh, so I actually have the podcast, the easily distracted entrepreneur, and I do business consulting and coaching with business owners most of whom are neurospicy, but I call it easily distracted because, and especially women, but men too, a lot of times they might suspect like, or joke and say, oh, I have ADHD or something like that. But then they don't actually know that they do and not understanding like, well, then how do you work differently to work in congruence with how your brain works? So I help business owners get stuff, get stuff done. Awesome. So important, especially, you know, on the road to achieving the goals, it's all those steps that get you. And very rarely is that a straight, well, a straight ish line, right? Yeah. Wonderful. Sorry, I got distracted by reading the chat. So I was like, I was like, you put up chat, you, you just asked me to listen to you and put up chat at the same time. I can't do that. Okay. No new rule. No looking at the chat. I'm not looking at the chat anymore. Okay. okay. Or or scrolls. No looking at the chat. No, no looking squirrels. at scrolls, and we're exactly. good. <laughs> awesome. Well, I am glad you're here. Um, John, I'm glad you are here as well. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so please share who you are and why why this topic. So, I am uh, an author. Uh, I do a lot of podcasting. My day job uh, is doing marketing for law firms. And the reason that I'm here specifically uh, on this panel is that I was, uh, I received my autism spectrum diagnosis probably 15, 16 months ago at this point. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's interesting to kind of be on this journey uh, and kind of learn more about who I am. Cause you know, I spent most of my twenties on this like really fan, you know, fanciful journey. I was taking a lot of like trips and I was, you know, observing the world and I was making all of these, what I thought were like really philosophical observations about the world and who I was. And then I get this diagnosis and it was one of those things where it's like, Oh, okay. All of this makes a lot of sense now, but just in a completely different way than how I had thought this entire time. And so, um, you know, now, like even being on this panel really is still a part of this journey and just like hearing perspectives from other people, uh, seeing what they, uh, you know, what makes them unique. I really like the, the neurodistinct uh, term that Elaine used because um, everyone really is different. I mean, it's, it's, it's all, we're all fingerprints, you know, no, you know, no neurodistinct person is just like another, like everyone is really, really unique and has, you know, individual ingredients that, that make it up. And so, you know, it's, it's been really interesting to kind of be a part of things like this and uh, you know, get the perspectives from other people. Well, we are glad that you are here. And I, and one thing that the caught 
my mind because you've got this on your your LinkedIn profile. So you are not only on this journey, you are embracing it. And one one of my one of my many little I wouldn't even call them rants, but I think it's so important when people are going through such important journeys, the ones who are able to share that help others is like, you know, gold stars all around. It's one thing to have an experience, but on the journey and being transparent so others can learn with you is Mm. just amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not a death sentence by any means. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, people hear the word autism and it's got this stigma to it uh, because I think a lot of people kind of have a specific kind of person in mind when they hear that word. But what, I think is really happening. And I think what we'll start to see a lot of over the next five, 10 years is as the psychology develops and as neuroscientists begin to understand this more, a lot more people are probably going to have my story where they're going through life. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh no, this is, this is what you are, or this is what you have. This is how your brain works. And yes, technically it's labeled neurodivergent, neurodistinct, whatever we're going to call it, but that's okay because this is the unique set of skills that you have, and this is how you make an impact in your world. Exactly. It, it, it is embracing the skills and seeing what it is you can do, which is why, you know, this is, you were asking before the audience, you know, writers, creatives, entrepreneurs, basically anybody who needs that little bit of inspiration and motivation, and we all have gifts, but tapping into those gifts to make your life better. and the lives of those around you better as well, I think is, you know, the common, the thing that makes this mainstream adjacent, let's call it, right? (laughs) And you all pretty much answered it, but I kind of want to put like a fine point on it, um, on a, what is your definition of neurodiversity, neurodistinctness, neurospiciness? Amber? Uh, Or uh, Elaine? I, you know, I'm kind of like the, uh, I'm a, like a language and words are just so like, I'd love them. That's part of one of my, uh, my quirks. And, and also, um, so neurodiversity, as I mentioned, is, is a broad umbrella of all different types of minds. Right. And uh, I can relate very much to, you know, what John was saying. And, and I love um, what, what Amber was saying, you know, about uh, especially entrepreneurs being ADHD, because I can really identify with that. You know, I've, I've spent the past 18 years dedicated to bringing out the unheard voices of um, non-speakers and, and other and uh, autistic individuals. And uh, and what I came to realize really only a couple of years ago was that that little kid inside of me that I've been masking for so many years, the reason I relate so profoundly to individuals on the spectrum is that little kid inside of me um, was always so different. And that differentness, differentness, that's a word, that difference uh, allowed me to be highly creative And yet at the same time, this sense of this world doesn't make any sense to me. The things that seem to come so easy to other people were tremendous challenges to me. And, you know, if you look at my, you know, my bio, whatever, I've had a tremendous amount of accomplishment and I feel very blessed. And yet there was this side of me that just felt like I just don't get it. And by embracing my, I've had, you know, some of my closest friends who are on the spectrum have always said, Elaine, you know, you're on the spectrum. And I respect autism so profoundly that I didn't want to like own something that wasn't correct. So the, the, the umbrella of neurodivergency, it fits me perfect. And I had to go back. I mean, as, as you know, John was saying, and, and you were saying of using your own um, experiences, I had to go back and reparent that little girl who is so different and love and embrace her in the same way I do all of my students and my clients and really give her the opportunity to take off that mask and be that highly sensitive social introvert brain that works differently and embrace that. So long answer to a short question. 
they're my favorite kind of answers. <laughs> Just like the broad umbrella, I I do tend to keep my topics um with a lot of rope for us to go down the windy road. Okay. I just like mix like three different analogies, but that's okay because we followed, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So um, Amber, what is your definition, whether we're talking neurodivergency or neurodiversity, neurospiciness? Well, I mean, I don't know that I would expand much beyond what Elaine said on that. I think, um, you know, it's really about having that everybody's brains are different. Um, although I do have to make a point cause this is <laughs> a little soapbox when people, I've had people say to me, yes, everyone is neurodivergent or neurodiverse. And I'm like, no, no, they're not. There are people that are neurotypical because I think what that implies is that, uh, cause the world is really set up for neurotypical, neurotypical people, especially if you work in the, you know, corporate or, or any job really, honestly. And so, uh, so not really answering your question, but I think it's just important for people to understand that even though everybody's brain works different in how we perceive things and how we interpret or process things, that being neurodiverse means that you are not neurotypical. You don't fall into the range of that bell curve of how people perceive and do things and process things. There are, there are inherent challenges, but I think those challenges do come with these gifts, right? So there's, this thing. But when I got diagnosed with ADHD, I, for me, it was like this relief because I, I said all of these qualities that I thought were just like character flaws, I now saw as the challenges of ADHD. I thought, oh, I'm just not doing it good enough. Like I'm very successful. I've, you know, built businesses and done so many things. And yet I never felt like I was reaching my potential or somehow was always on the outside or a little bit different. Right. And so I think it's, uh, so I went down that road of soapbox of like, it really is a unique experience for everybody. But I think what's unifying for everybody who kind of identifies as neurodiverse is that, um, that yeah, we, our brains work differently. We don't necessarily fit in and it's about having that acceptance of like, that's okay like not to have any of those negative associations with that. So there's a unity in diversity is what you're saying. Absolutely. Love that. Uh, John, what do you think? Yeah. To kind of build off of what Amber was saying. I mean, that was one of the first kind of downward spirals I had shortly after my, my diagnosis, because it was like, it all suddenly made sense that I was kind of living in this world that wasn't built for me you know, the, like Amber said, like this world is built by neurotypical people for neurotypical people. And so this feeling that I had had for the first 30 years of my life where I didn't felt like I just never quite fit in, you know, I felt, you know, I was one of those people like, Oh, I was born in the wrong era or, you know, no one around here understands me and all that kind of stuff. And then I realized like, Oh yeah, because the entire world just was not built for someone who processes things the way that I do. But then, you know, to that point, I've kind of worked through it and now I see it as, you know, like we all just have really random superpowers. Like a lot of times it's not, you know, it's not like Spider-Man swinging from building to building, but it's like being able to know where everything is without needing a GPS, you know, without typing into Google maps, which I can do for the most part. I go one place once I never need a map again useless skill for the most part, unless all the satellites fail, but it's, it's fun little things like that along the way that can at least help you feel a little bit more like you belong in a world that maybe not, maybe doesn't really fit how you process things. I love that you call them superpowers. I think that's just a really good way to look at things to look at these gifts as I get to, or I can, right? Not I am different, but more I see things and absorb things in different, more special ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a little bit at a higher level than maybe someone who is neurotypical, you know, for example, like I, I am an author, Deb, I know that you 
have published books as well. I published 25 books in the span of like nine or 10 years. That's wild. Like that's just not something that neurotypical people can do. And it's so like, that's, that's kind of like where my superpower is, is like, I can just, I can crank out a lot of these books, go through the publishing process on my own and and produce this thing that for some people, it takes years and years and years for them to produce one. Yes, I have three, (laughs) but, but I, but I, and now I'm looking at people who overproduce books, um, looking at it a little bit differently as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, interesting, interesting. So, so how can others be more inclusive? What do you, what do you wish other people did to make your life easier? I guess is the question. I was like, I'll answer that one. (laughs) I have lots of things that people should be doing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think number one, the number one thing that I think would support people who are neurodiverse is understanding that often in life we're making value judgments. Um, It's funny. I just posted something on Facebook today about uh, do you eat in bed? Yay or nay? Like I was like, no one's discussing this very important topic, you know, and people who do not eat in bed, because that is not what you're supposed to do. There's a, there's like this air of like, well, that's the wrong way to do it. And I think we have to recognize, and you know, it's, that's kind of, it's a funny topic, whatever, but there's so much of that in life where there's this inherent belief, like, well, people who are professional, people who are smart, people who are good, they wake up early, they show up on time, they do X, Y, Z this way. And understanding those are value judgments. Those are just, you've decided that's the right way to do it, but we can do something like, oh, you haven't started your you know, thesis for your master's program. And it's the only thing to graduate. You haven't started that yet. You should have already started. It's you know, like, you're not doing it right. And yet I wrote it the night before it was due. And it's like, because that's what we can do. We can hyper-focus and we can get more work done in a short period of time than anybody else could. Now, granted, we can also make our lives like really hellish and stressful by doing that. But just like examining, why do I feel it should be done this way? Why, Why am I having a problem with this? And just kind of checking, like, am I making value judgments? And the other piece of that is understanding, like, people are like gift with purchase, right? Like, you, I might be, I'm not going to say it's me, but like five minutes late to everything. However, I'm also super creative and I can mass produce things, right? Like, so those are the things of understanding. We can't just say, oh, you do all of this stuff so great. Cause I hear this from a lot of employees that I like executives that I work with where it's like, oh, you're amazing. And you're so charismatic and everyone like you're a great leader and you're so creative and you figured out all these solutions, but you never have your you know, expense reports in on time and you're often like, you know, changing things or you're, you change it last minute or, you know, you're late to things or you've missed a meeting. And it's like, well, all of that creativity and all of that other stuff came from somewhere. Like you don't get to have it all. Like this is these, these like struggles are the gift with purchase is how I say. (laughs) (laughs) Nice way to put it. Gift with purchase. Uh, we got a question from Jeremy Bond, who's watching on LinkedIn Live, um, and he wants to know what about underperforming due to neurodiversity, the feeling that you can't start or finish anything. Who wants to take it before we go back to our rabbit hole? of? I, that's what I help people with for a living, so I'm happy to answer, although I just feel like I was talking. Can you put the question back up for me? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Oh, what, uh, that feeling you can't start or finish anything. Yeah. So this is the, one of the struggles. Um, I see this with clients who, whether it's, you know, ADHD or autistic or, or whatever, however their neurospiciness shows up, it's like optimizing pressure, right? Like our brain doesn't work because I've heard like typical productivity specialists say, well, when it becomes painful enough, you'll do it. And I was like, Oh, Like you have no idea how painful we can let things be. And our brain still will not let us do that simple thing. Like if you ask me to go to the the post office, you might as well ask me to climb Everest with no preparation, right? It makes no sense. It's illogical because what I can run. 
So you have to find ways of working with your brain, but on also optimizing pressure. If there's not enough pressure, you'll never get started. And if you're too overwhelmed and you have too many competing priorities and you don't have clarity, like, again, you'll never get started. So we have to get to a place of, it can't be too much pressure because that shuts us down, but we have to have enough to like get us activated. So that's the term. How do you get activated? And there's many ways to get started. A really good one is like body doubling where you have somebody with you, you say what you're going to do. And there's just this accountability. They do nothing for you. They're just sitting there. Magic. It's magic. It works. Um, and then the finishing, it's same thing. It's it's about clarity. It's about, oh, no, I'm not going to sit and obsess about needing to clean out my pantry right now because I'm supposed to be finishing this project, you know, and send this invoice to a client and my brain will keep going there. And then it's, you just have to kind of talk to your brain and negotiate sometimes. So I, those are a couple of strategies. I mean, there's a lot of strategies, but I'll throw that out and let other people kind of chime in. Okay. Uh, John, do you feel like chiming? Um, I, I, this is not my area of expertise. I, I actually have kind of the opposite problem. I have, you know, I, I'm, I have all of these things that I'm doing simultaneously and it's just, Oh, you want to add something else on? Cool. I'll just take care of it real quick. And so, uh, yeah, this is just, unfortunately just one I can't speak to. Okay. Then Elaine, do you have thoughts on that? And then we'll go, (coughs) go back to making the world more kumbaya like. Yeah, I love what uh, Amber said. <clears throat> I think that it, when we understand how our brains work, which, you know, learning from, from you know, experts like Amber in that respect, uh, we can use it in the best possible way. And um, there's that whole idea of being independent. Well, what I've learned is to be interdependent, that that's something. And I do have a body. I, I love that body double. I call her my... Um, uh, executive functioning support person who comes over on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And I plan nothing else but to be with her. And often it's basically, you know, what you're saying. I set uh, what my goals are to do that day. And she just keeps me accountable. And, you know, sometimes she'll go, Elaine, something shiny because I'll go, she'll be able to tune my brain into where it is. And there's, there's also, um, you know, different programs, uh, on, on that I found on, um, on the web where you have, you know, groups of people and accountability sessions where you can actually get things done and learn these, learn these techniques. I find that I can learn how to do it the way that others do. And I think definitely having a coach, uh, you know, someone like Amber can be really, really helpful. I think the the community aspect too that that's huge for everybody, you know, all all brains and personalities. The, this and this is how I got started leading goal groups, and it's all about um, accountability, productivity. But for me, it's that community piece where you're sharing what you're working on, so people can encourage and celebrate you. So we're all in this together, no matter what kind of boat you row. And Deb, you you've created that community. Uh, I mean, your book, I always think of it as like you talk about it being a travel guide and, you know, the p- people will make more plans to go on vacation than they will to, uh, you know, what they're going to be doing with their life and their goals. And so the way that you break that down has been incredibly helpful on my own journey, life well, journeys. So, well, thank you. That's for, that's very sweet. Um, and much appreciate. Yes, your goal guide is a roadmap um, to help you figure out what you want, how to get it, or how to define, plan, and achieve your goals. Put in, you know, what the title actually says. But my belief too is you can't get what you want unless you know what that is. So part of it is starting with that foundation, and then no matter whichever way your brain functions, put the things in place so you're doing a little or in the case of John, a lot at a time to get to that end result. Okay. I, podcast listeners, everybody's nodding. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, you know, adding to that, that's the, um, gosh, now I lost my train of thought. Sorry. 
when you were talking about, you do have to understand your unique brain and then kind of figure it out. And the hard thing, I just want to acknowledge this because working with so many clients, even my ADHD clients, they it's such a vast array of how it shows up or how they work with it. But the shame piece is big and that's kind of across the board, right? And this feeling of if I just did it better, but I will say I have clients who identify as, you know, having autism or have been diagnosed. And they'll say the hard thing too, for them is once they've said, I'm going to do something, they actually, it's almost impossible. So again, like John shows up very differently. He's, you know, makes me think of, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I was going to go down another route and I'm not going to do that. See, but, uh, I'm just going to stay in this lane, but there are some people where they're just able to set that goal and just execute and then other people, when they set the goal, actually in their brain is actually fighting them on getting it done. And so that's the challenge because then they're like, well, what's wrong with me? Like I'm broken. Like I hear this stuff all the time and it's like, no, it's not. But we do have to figure out a different way for you to negotiate with your brain because sometimes it feels like it's an external thing where you're like, no, this is the priority. And your brain's like, not today. Today it's Marvel comics, you know, or something like that. So I just wanted to point that out that, you know, for anybody who's feeling that way, um, because that underperforming, you may outperform people in many areas of your life, but then it can feel like the underperforming is all people focus on. So there's just, it's really hard. So I guess I'm just going to honor that. Uh, I, uh, I was invited to speak to, um, oh, I introduced <laughs> I introduced you to Jeremy and Alana, Elena. I don't know if you ever connected with them, but they have a, a a community that they coach on dating and relationships. And this was a question that, that they asked me, it's like, what if you don't want to do it? And I said, can you reframe it to you get to do it? You know, when you think of it as the joy rather than the task, just another way to think, to think differently, to paraphrase Apple. So transition transition so let's go back <laughs> I, I will say I use that one I say I get to I get to <laughs> although sometimes I'm like I get to do my quarterly taxes you know like we know we're all lying to ourselves but but even right, in that, but, when, but when you approach with enthusiasm yeah it, it, it can help absolutely I think it's like it's um technique stacking is maybe what I'll call it I've never said that before but because you have that and then you're like, nope, this one has extra resistance. I got to add level, this level of what is this technique? And no, I got to call in my emotional support person or body double person, you know, like, so sometimes, again, that's where people feel like, well, if this works for everybody else, why doesn't it work for me? That's kind of the point. Mm -hmm. it, it, your brain works differently. You have to do that, that work to figure out how it's doing it. But yeah, I do love the reframe, the mindset of I get to, because it does help. It helps release resistance. So I want to, I want to rein us back into, into the, and I keep wanting to say inclusion. And then I see Elaine and I'm like, no, how could people be more belonging, be more supportive of people whose brains function differently? So, um, John, how can others yeah. be more helpful for you? Yeah, I, I, I think the big buzzword right now is empathy. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you need to be more empathetic. But I, for me, I, it's really hard to be empathetic when your brain literally works differently than the person you're trying to empathize with. Like it's, it's almost an impossible task. And so, m you know, my, my thought around it is, is just be curious, you know, don't, don't assume something, you know, I, I like to be candid. Uh, this is where like my boss and I clash sometimes on things, you know, he will try, you know, he'll take maybe, uh, you know, a straight route a to B me. I might zigzag along the way. We're still going to arrive at the same point, but he doesn't understand why I did what I did to get to the same res, you know, the same solution that we both got to. And, you know, it's just an ongoing discourse that we've had for a really long time. And so just being able to be curious, don't assume that, you know, just because something has always been a certain way doesn't mean it's always going to be a certain way. You know, it, 
be curious, you know, try to understand everyone on an individual basis, which, yeah, that's a lot of work because you probably know dozens or hundreds of people. And so to try to then get to know someone on an individual level, throw out everything that you thought you knew about someone and just build an individual profile for each person, you know, sounds like really daunting task, but I think if you're going to go this route and, and, you know, really try to understand the people who are in your circle, especially the, the neurodiverse neurodistinct, uh, you know, people in your life, like that's, that's kind of the route that you're going to have to take. Or, or just ask them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have to build the profile. Just ask. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that, um, you know, just to piggyback what John said, that's exactly it is, is just be curious. I mean, how often in school, elementary school in math or anything, you were able to get to an answer. And then the teacher says, well, no, I need to see the work on how you got there. Right. I mean, and instead, well, the work reveals itself. So I I think, you know, what, what John is saying is um, asking, just asking questions, being curious is the most important thing you can do. And also not to, our brains are wired just because we were tribal people, right? And we wanted to see people just like us to feel safe, right? So our brains are wired that if there's a different entity than us, we're unsafe. And I think that inclusion starts from within to be able to include all the different aspects of oneself, including I don't understand this other person and that that's okay. And bring your own sense of self-acceptance and appreciation to the table so that you can look at someone else, not as an other that's unsafe, but rather as, hmm, that's interesting. Wow, we do things differently. So the the self-exploration is going to help you no matter in which way your brain functions. That's it. At the Miracle Project, we have a whole training program called the Seven Keys to Understand um, Others. It started out as Understand Autism. And the the first key really is about setting an intention. Um, I have a book called Seven Keys to Unlock Autism. But today, if I were to write it, I would change the title. And basically, it's there's only one constant, and that constant is ourselves and how we show up. And in any situation, how we show up is going to impact that relationship. So again, as John, you know, so perfectly said is um, we show up with, with curiosity. We show up with a sense of embracing our own um, differences and, and um, everyone has strengths and challenges, everyone. And uh, if we're can own our own strengths and challenges, then we're able to be curious about how others solve uh, solves solve problems. I love this path, um, especially you know owning our our strengths and challenges. And how do people get there though? Because everybody's well, we were talking about this before. Everybody's always busy, right? And there's always a squirrel running across the lawn to distract us. So, what recommendations do you have for people to get better in touch with? these very important questions? I would say I would, I think both starting small and starting with the safest people in your life. Right. Um, because for me, just, you know, how I growing up Midwest Gen X, like you're supposed to produce, you're supposed to work, like, you know, don't be lazy, all this other stuff. And so it's like, there's a certain way to be that's right. So again, going back to the value judgment stuff, But then like there's masking, like I'm going to show up that way and feeling a lot of shame. And that often will, you'll see defensiveness. So you can sometimes see people really defensive or angry or shut down. And so that obviously impacts relationships. And I think back to, I've been with my husband for 26 years. He also has ADHD, but very different. We're very different types of ADHD. And so do, and our three kids have different versions of things, but I remember he's, um, even though he's ADHD, he's like military guy. So he's very regimented. He's great at that, that stuff I hate. 
And like laundry was always, I don't know why it bothered him so much, but he would always kind of, and maybe he was teasing, but he would always comment on how like my laundry was always in the washer or the dryer and it was never folded and put away. And it was, and so I would always feel like a lot of shame and then I'd get stressed and, you know, irritated about it. And, and I'm like, I'm already like at my edge doing all these things. Cause I'm running all this other stuff. Like I don't care. Right. But I felt bad. So I just, it was a shame point and no, it's some um, small, but it's one of those things. Then I got to the point where after finding out I have ADHD, then I realized like, I actually don't want to be an expert laundry put away or like, I actually don't care. And now I think of my laundry room as kind of my extended closet. And ironically, <laughs> when I let go of that pressure, I actually fold and put away my laundry way more than I ever did because it's no longer a should. So that goes back to the, I get to, Right. But it's, but it, he, now when he makes the jokes, I'm just, I laugh it off and there's no, so there's no tension in our relationship. And so I think it's like, when you realize that when you come from a place of working on your own shame points, you don't get as defensive. There's, there's not as much conflict in the relationships because it's like, oh, okay. So you, you know, that's how you feel about it. That's great. I, it doesn't impact me at all. Like there's no point in which somebody could shame me for my laundry at this point. But that was the small first step. And with somebody who like obviously matters to me, but the more you do that now, I'm to the point where there's so many other things where if some random person had said something to me about one of my, even losing my train of thought, the sheer just embarrassment, like they don't, they're going to think, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like she's so flaky. Now I'm like, I just, I just uh, modeled for you excellent ADHD behavior. So there you go. You're welcome. You know, like it took baby steps to get to that point of genuinely not caring <laughs> like, about that. And that realized like, it doesn't really matter. And people are going to think what they're going to think. So I think it's those small baby steps of like accepting yourself and it just grows and grows and grows exponentially. I think another part, and this is, this is really what you're saying, is just embrace what we were saying earlier too. embrace your gifts. You know, you don't have to be good at everything. And if you're not, let it go. Put your attention elsewhere. Well, it's freeing. Um, so, John, do you have any, um, any food for thought? I have to mention food. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to piggyback on that, uh, it's it's really just, you know, it, it's continued it's being curious to just never stop learning. I mean, even as Amber was talking about, um, you know, her family and her husband, you know, having ADHD, and then she talked about how he's very regimented. And in my mind, immediately, I just went, that's not ADHD. ADHD people are scattered. And I'm going off of these things that I've learned so much over time. And I think the key is is, is switching that perspective, because whenever people hear something that they disagree with. I think a lot of people default to know you're wrong. Whereas I think a lot of times you should be like, okay, what about my previously held thoughts might not be true about this? What have I not yet uncovered about this? And so like, even just talking about, you know, you know, Amber's family there, I got some learning to do. I've got, you know, because maybe ADHD is a lot, there's a lot more than I thought it was. And there's different ways that it looks. And so, you know, a, a really good example there of just the importance of just continuing to learn and, and, you know, really making sure that you, you do your best to understand. I don't think anybody's really going to expect perfection here, but, you know, just committing to at least learning uh, and trying to understand what all is out there. Just to touch on that. I tr I do a lot of trainings with Dr. Amen, and he talks about the seven types of ADD. He, he specifically uses ADD for a reason, but ADHD, whatever, same thing. Um, and yeah, it's interesting when you, when I first started doing the work, I thought this is what autism looks like. This is what ADHD looks like because it was like mine and then find out, Oh no, I have over-focus. I like to call it obsessive because it's hard for me to let things go. And I can, micromanage a lot. I can't get to the post office, but, but like you said, it's understanding. I think we have this visual of, you know, everybody with autism is rain man from them. Cause we think of movies, right. Or everyone with OCD is uh, Jack Nicholson is and as good as it gets. And um, I'd like to say everyone thinks everyone with ADHD is Tony Stark because that would be great. But, <laughs> but uh, which I do believe Tony Stark has ADD, like in my opinion, but, but I think, yeah, we have these usually pejorative, 
you know, profiles, like one off or maybe not pejorative, but like real one flat, this is how it looks. And it's so different when you start to meet people like, oh, intriguing. Like this is very, very, very different. So I I feel like uh, keeping an open mind is also very key to helping other people feel like they belong. Now, normally we would go into goals a little bit later, but because Elaine has a hard out, we're going to switch things up a little bit. Um, I would love for each of you to gift a goal to the audience, something that they could do today, tomorrow, immediately to, I guess, get better in touch with themselves to make others feel like they belong. I don't care. It's a wild card goal. What goal do you wish to gift to help the people who are tuning in live better? I know that didn't sound like a question to help others live better. Elaine, what goal would you like to gift? A couple things. One, I always invite people to listen to the person that doesn't speak, whether they're non-speaking autistic or the quietest person in the room and listen to their body moves, listen to what they're um, perhaps want to say. Also profoundly listen to yourself, tune into your own body. Where do you feel pressure? Where do you feel stress? And profoundly allow yourself to love yourself by embracing all that you have in your own being allows that sense of connection to others. And again, so much of what is what we've shared today is not judging it as good or bad, but accepting that it is. And being in, in yoga, we always say namaste, you know, which is like the, the spirit in me honors the spirit in you. So I mean, at the Miracle Project, when anyone comes in, we never ask what their diagnosis is. We look for the spirit in them. So certain things that I do that are incredibly helpful, I write every morning. I meditate every morning. I set my intention for the day. And I get a real tune into my own being, my own body of um, a sense of my own I amness. Wow. I love that so much. And I was talking before, before we went live that, so I was, I came to play at the Miracle Project and then we ran into each other at Breathwork um, in Santa Monica and we've been friends ever since. So that, that's that whole, you know, be good and the self-care piece, but self-care starts with listening to you and going on that path. Exactly. And then you're open and receptive to listen and be curious to others. Mm -hmm. So it it goes, it's where you heal thyself, be quiet, listen, et cetera. Right. That's awesome. Now you're going to, you're going to have to jump off soon. So we're going to do the, where can people learn more about you? And then we will go to Amber and John with their goals. So Elaine, Um, where can people learn more about you? Yeah. First of all, just what a joy to be with John and Amber. Thank you. I've learned so much from both of you and always love being with you, Deb. So thank you. Uh, Yes. um, You can reach me at elaine-hall.com as my personal website. And, uh, and my theater program is themiracleproject.org. So I can put that in the chat if you like. Okay. And if you go to uh, thedebmethod.com slash blog, you will get the recap and these links as well to learn more. But before you jump off, Elaine, what final thought do you want to leave people with? You know, it's the same thing. Profoundly, profoundly love yourself. Love that part of you that's different. Be curious about yourself. Um, Be around others who reflect the highest part of you and laugh a lot. All good. And it kind of feels almost like they're all good bonus goals because if you laugh a lot and you have that joy, it's also going to enhance everything else that, that they're doing. So amazing. Thank you, Elaine. No, the show is not over. We still need goals and information from Amber and John. So, John, what goals do you wish to give? 
Uh, so I imagine, at least in my head, that anyone who's listening to this so far in the show, they've had probably one person in their mind think like, oh, man, I bet that person's on the spectrum. Oh, I bet that person has ADHD. Or maybe they're thinking, oh, man, what if I'm on the spectrum? Or what if I have ADHD? Go do some research. Go like I even give you permission to go type in whatever uh, neurological disorder you want to talk into uh, to Wikipedia. Don't rely on Wikipedia. Go down, scroll to the footnotes and look at what they sourced and and read that. But educate yourself and and do a little bit of learning and and just really get familiar with um, what the current knowledge is on stuff like this. It is constantly changing. Um, you know, there's a there's a chance that uh, people who are like me and considered on the autism spectrum might be in a different spectrum 20 years from now, just as how things evolve. And so just familiarize yourself with what's true today uh, so that you can, you know, kind of have more of these conversations with with the people in your community. And this, I would imagine, is true whether or not you think something is with your I mean I, ha, I mean I'm trying to say this you know in a PC manner whether or not you're listening to this and you're like oh I have to see if this is me or maybe you just want to learn more about people whose brains work differently so yeah do do some educate yourself whichever side of the I was going to say whatever side of the side of the spectrum, but that sounded like a however your diversity more. shows up. Yeah. That <laughs> or, sounds much better. Or, well, actually, yeah. You neuro- yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my brain. Okay. Educate yourself, familiarize yourself with the current state of neurodiversity. Yeah. How's that for making it inclusive? Awesome. Amber, what goal would you like to gift? Um, well, Elaine stole all mine. So thanks, Elaine. <laughs> I know, so rude. Um, I would say with John, I just want to add because um I do agree, like go do the research. What I'm gonna tell you if you're if you're wondering about yourself, I would I would encourage you to set a timer because we can lose lots of days and time <laughs> in that in our like 80, I call it an ADHD spiral, but any research spiral, set some timers so that you don't lose days and days and days doing this. You got to give yourself breaks. Right. Um, But I think what I would say for people who are feeling kind of stuck or overwhelmed, there's this one thing that's been plaguing them. I'm going to talk to that piece is like, look at it and say, can I just let this goal go? Because sometimes we just need to let things go. We feel like I should be doing this. Can you just let it go? And if not, if it's something really important like taxes, <laughs> then I would really encourage you, if it's something that every day you think about or at night you think about, it's draining your energy. The avoidance and the efforts that you're putting in to like stay busy, it's draining. So either see if you can let it go. And if you can't, and it needs to be done, then I would actually invite, find somebody, whether it's a biz bestie, a friend, a family member, whatever, to come sit with you and set that intention and don't let anything else get in the way and get that one thing done because then you feel like that sense of accomplishment and you build that momentum and it just feels really great. So you're, you're getting rid of all of that background noise. Um, so sometimes it's just getting a small win for yourself or sometimes the win is literally just letting go. Like, like I said, I am completely with you on this. And again, I think it's good for neurotypicals as well. A hundred percent. We all have things that, that get put on the back burner forever. Just take it off the stove and throw it away. You know, yes, soup exactly. is not good anymore. Yeah, stop reheating that soup. It's not good. And you're right, because I do work with people who are neurotypical, but they're overwhelmed overachievers. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people have, I, I don't know anybody in this day and age that doesn't have competing priorities that's, you know, over the age of 21. So I think it does apply to anybody. And, you know, the strategies still work. It, it doesn't always go the other way. Like sometimes neurotypical strategies don't work for neurodiverse people, but usually the neurodiverse solution, again, can be helpful. But again, everybody's brain works different. Um, but like you said, sometimes it's just letting go, just freeing up that mental space and 
you know, mm-hmm. take that. It feels so good. <laughs> well, and so the D and the death method is determine your mission. So to get what you want, you need to know what, what you want. And that's, you're tripping over into to my, my sphere, which is when you set that foundation, anything and everything can grow, but gifting yourself that time to see. And when you're looking at, at this life that you want, some of these have tos don't belong anywhere on that road. Yeah. Yeah. Move on. Like you don't, you don't need to be an expert at folding and putting away laundry. Like it turns out you can Apparently, still get through life. <laughs> I'm still clothed. <laughs> we find, we all find no matter how your brain functions, we find a way, right? Mm-hmm. We find a way. So, oh, such a good, chewy conversation. I really enjoyed this. I hope you all did as well. Amber, where can people learn more about you? Um, well, if you're a business owner, I think the best place to go is amberholly.com if to find out, uh, yeah, neuro, neuro, neurodiverse affirming strategies to get stuff done or to address burnout. Cause that's the other thing. A lot of people who are in that, in the neurodiverse arena, they tend to overwork because it's, it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot more effort to get things done. Um, so yeah, so you can head on over to amberholly.com. If you're fall into a different, you're not a business owner, you can go to stilldistracted.com. Um, cause I do ADHD coaching, executive coaching and couples coaching as well. So however, however it's showing up, cause for some people they're amazing at work but they cannot remember to do anything at home. So, so sometimes it shows up in one area, right? Yes. Well, I, I do love your easily distracted entrepreneur branding because talk about hitting the nail on the head. Uh, John, where can people learn more about you? Yeah. If you are into weird history, uh, true crime, paranormal, all kinds of silly stuff uh, in book form or podcast form. Uh, you can go to johnhensonwrites.com. Uh, if you're a lawyer and you need help with marketing, check out Spotlight Branding. That's who I do my marketing for. Uh, head over there and see what we can do for you over there. Awesome. And I am at the Deb Method everywhere. Um, and you can go to the slash blog to get the recap and the links um, and the highlights of this wonderful conversation. Um, Amber, John, and also Elaine, thank you for this wonderful conversation. What one thing do you want to leave people with? John, final thought? What's always been doesn't have to always be, uh, you know, things are changing, uh, you know, challenge the, the things that you have grown up with the, the opinions and views and things about, you know, neurodiverse people, what you think someone is autistic looks like, or someone with ADHD looks like, um, you know, it's, it's a lot bigger than what you may think it is. And, and just doing a little bit of learning, uh, you know, can, can go a really long way. A little learning does go a long way. And that kind of harks back to what we were talking about at the beginning, right? Um, be curious. Yep. Because that, that'll help everything, right? So, Amber, what final thought do you want to leave us with? Yeah, I think the things that I hear a lot from people when they're feeling, when they reach out to me, it's like, they either say something to the effect of, I feel like I'm broken. Maybe I'm just not cut out for this. Um, you know, if I just did it better. And I had one client say, make this comment, we do weekly planning and, um, in my group. And after a couple months, she showed up and said, I realize I'm not over underperforming. I'm still overcommitted. And that's kind of the place that I start from is I think a lot of us are overcommitted. There's too much on our plate. We expect ourselves to do all the things. And sometimes we want to do all the things, right? But understanding that it's not a failure in you or that you're not good enough. It literally is usually just being overwhelmed and having unrealistic expectations of yourself because there's a high correlation of 
uh, perfectionism in uh, people who are neurospicy and also imposter syndrome. So this idea of I've got to do it perfect, but I'm also not good enough. So I guess I would invite you to really work on the piece and understand like, no, there is nothing wrong with you. There's, you are still a totally amazing functioning adult, even if you never file your taxes on time, whatever it is. So just understand that it's probably, it's probably that you're trying to do too much or you're overcommitted, not that you're underperforming. Yeah, I, I really love that. The the difference, it's a huge difference between overperforming and being overcommitted. When you keep your expectations realistic, you set yourself up for success. And anyone who knows me, who's heard the show even once will know, I am all about setting yourself up for success. So thank you again, Elena Hall, John Hinson, and Amber Holly for joining me today. And thank you for tuning in, whether you're watching live or the replay, or you're listening to this as an episode of the Deb Show podcast on the Marketing Podcast Network. We are so thrilled that you chose to spend time today to learn more about neurodiversity, belonging, inclusivity, and how to be a better you so you can be a better you to everyone right? So go out there, go for it because we know you can do it. Thanks for listening to The Deb Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Deb Method on social media, and check out thedebmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.